Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everybody listening and watching wherever and whenever this podcast finds you. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Bitcoin Weekly Wrap-Up for the 29th of November 2019. This week's wrap-up is once again sponsored by eToro. It's a very cool platform uh, to buy, sell, and trade Bitcoin and other crypto assets safely and securely. They existed prior to Bitcoin uh, by quite a few years. And since then, they have in the last year broke into the U.S. market and they've created some really new and innovative tools for both newbies and advanced traders. So one of the cool things for uh, new people is if you're unsure of your trading strategy, you can actually practice with their virtual trading platform, which allows you to uh, you know, basically trade with virtual money on real order books. And another one is copy trading, which just went live within the last month or so. And this allows you to find advanced traders out there that know what they're doing. You can allocate a portion of your portfolio, whether it's one, five, 10, 20%, whatever you want. And every time that they make a trade, it will actually trade in your portfolio to balance out if they're trading, you know, 10% of their portfolio in Bitcoin and 20% in Ethereum or whatever it may be. It allocates the percentage of your portfolio you've sent to them and does the same thing. If you are new, this allows you to take advantage of the expertise that a advanced trader may have. If you're an advanced trader, this basically allows you to increase your portfolio that you're trading with to an even larger degree. Everybody wins in that. You get a little piece of, of whatever you make for them and they get the benefit of your experience. If you go to didyouknowcrypto.com, that's didyouknowcrypto.com slash etoro, E-T-O-R-O, and you do a minimum deposit around $200, you'll actually get $50 for free. Once again, everybody wins. That's didyouknowcrypto.com slash etoro. So how's everybody doing today? Um, I am actually, uh, if you're watching, you get to see me drink a little bit of my tea in my 1995 McDonald's Batman Forever Riddler Cup. And as you know, that is the, really the only choice to drink any beverage out of, you know, for adults. So you can pick them up for about $16 on, uh, eBay, but I actually, I got mine from my childhood. So enjoy. Uh, if we actually look at the price right now, since the last weekly wrap up, Bitcoin's price has jumped back up to around $75 to $7,600 this week. And right now, as of recording on the 28th of November, 2019, it's sitting at $74.82. So the first story that we're going to be talking about is Ripple. Ripple's back in the news. Uh, their, their partnership with MoneyGram which is a Western Union competitor, has been well advertised and promoted by Ripple throughout the, you know, the last few years. And the use case has been simply the use of Ripple's X-Rapid technology for the settle of cross-border remittances through MoneyGram. Basically, if you want to send $100 from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where we know everybody's chilling, if you don't know that reference, Google it. Uh, if you want to send it from Cedar Rapids to someone, say, in Guatemala, you'd go to a MoneyGram Center um, MoneyGram Center or online, whichever you prefer, input your debit, credit, bank account information, and that it would then, whatever, that $100 would be charged against your account and sent through the X-Rapid network and Ripple, and the person on the other end would receive the dollars or pesos, whatever. 
Uh, they would interact with, but they would never actually touch Ripple. Ripple announced that they had recently made, I believe it was on Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken, they'd made a $50 million investment in MoneyGram, receiving ju just short of 10% of the outstanding stock in MoneyGram with no voting interest. In part, MoneyGram agreed to use that investment to implement um, more of the XRapid network throughout their own uh, network. And, you know, Ripple has been, you know, over the last few years in an ever-increasingly disadvantageous network, uh, disad gosh, I can't even talk, disadvantageous position as banks have been experimenting and or creating their own networks. And this just diminishes the use case for Ripple. Their main use case has always been is they've really not focused on, you know, we want to do what, say, like Bitcoin Cash or Litecoin has said, like pay with, right? Their focus has been on, you know, basically being the kind of thing in between what banks do with each other and with the larger economy. Um, and their only hope really lies in creating a robust, widespread network that makes it basically more efficient to adopt it versus creating their own or using another Ripple competitor's network. So the other option for them is basically taking this large amount of money that they have accumulated through speculators and investors and all this other kind of stuff and start investing that money that they have in more tangible assets, more tangible things uh, before this experiment fades away. Buying, um, stock in a company like MoneyGram, I don't necessarily think that's the best investment, but whatever, is, is still a better thing than watching their amount of money that they've raised slowly ebb away into nothing. Uh, the next story is on the Deputy Secretary of the Treasury, Justin Muzinich, uh, who in a speech to the Clearinghouse and Banking Institute issued a warning to the crypto industry specifically against privacy coins or privacy currencies. In the speech, he called attention to many of the same tropes and concerns that have been leveled against Bitcoin in the wider industry um, since they first really took notice of Bitcoin, that being money laundering, terrorism, working around regulations and things like that. He, re he reiterated, though, that regardless of you know the use of fiat or cryptocurrencies, Entities have to abide by U.S. specifically, but also world financial regulations. But he was concerned that the rise of alternatives, such as Bitcoin or other things like Monero or whatever, would lead to evading existing regulatory frameworks. It's kind of what they're there for. Uh, but he specifically called concerned over these anonymous quote-unquote, anonymous cryptocurrencies, that if they were grow to scale, they would create a scenario uh, where their ability, the U.S. Treasury and, and world government's ability to regulate it uh, would, uh, you know, become moot, uh, really just unable to do so in any really um, cohesive way like they do with uh, banking and the financial industry currently. Uh, he ended the speech with a warning that they would be taking a very hard look at these issues. In regulators speak, that means that they're starting to tighten the net a little bit and the hammer is going to start falling um, with regulations, laws, with going after people criminally in courts. And 
also kind of putting more onerous regulation requirements um, on people in the industry. But what does this mean, though? Uh, I'm a Bitcoin guy, and while I find that there are other in interesting applications and or tech experiments in other competitors, I'm a Bitcoiner purely for the fact that Bitcoin can adapt these technologies to itself, negating really the use case if they are proven to function um, at scale and or that they're useful and wanted by users. So that once again, just kind of negates the competitor's use case. The Treasury Department and regulators around the world can issue all the requirements, all the laws, all the penalties, all the threats that they want, but there's still no way that they, no matter what they do, that's going to stop you from sending me Bitcoin. And I ask you to do that with a lot of it, if you could. If you go to diginocrypto.com, I have little buttons where you can donate various different cryptocurrencies. And I, I really encourage you to donate as much as possible. I'm kidding aside, but it does help um, keep the lights on, so to speak. Literally, if you're watching, these studio lights were bought, you know, specifically for this. So anyways, I digress. Um, you know, these laws and regulations will affect Bitcoin-related companies. Not Bitcoin, but Bitcoin-related companies like exchanges um, and, and other companies that kind of operate within the network. Bitcoin re removed the need for third-party intermediaries uh, to send value across the network. Only third parties can actually be leveraged and coerced by an entity, whether it's government or corporations, to comply with their will. As laws become more draconian, the need for the disintermediation of these third parties will provide incentives to provide the market with these disintermediated entities. Uh, Bitcoin has let the genie out of the bottle. It has cut these mental anchor anchors that we have in our mind and other people's minds throughout the world that made them you know, consider trusted third parties uh, to be basically a presumed necessity. And now kind of the sky is the limit of like, how much can we actually disintermediate trusted third parties, not just in Bitcoin. That's one like to me, that's one of the biggest things that Bitcoin has provided the world is like, really, like, how, do we really need all these trusted third parties, not just in finance, but but elsewhere? It's it's just this really philosophical cutting of the anchors. But we could, you know, we've discussed that in other episodes, so I won't go belabor that right now. But by flexing their political and regulatory muscles, really the faster they are going to speed up this process of kind of creating the scenario of their own irrelevance. So a common variety of the Comfrey plant, um, specifically uh, rushing, Russian Bocking 14 and stuff that I have around my property, this basically, it doesn't spread through seeds, but it spreads through root cuttings. Um, so even like one small one inch piece of root will sprout and grow. And if you ever actually attempt to like dig out comfrey, it, it, it spreads farther every year. So if you dig out like the main tap root uh, and the crown, like the main like kind of stem of the plant out of the ground, you basically create a hundred new sprouts because all those chunks of roots that you've now cut off from the main plant. Um, sorry, my water pump just went on. Uh, but if you hear that in the background, but every uh, bit that you that you when you cut out that main tap root and the main crown, you create like all these little chunks of the roots that are still left. 
just like a hundred new sprouts will grow up and create a larger, more robust patch of the plant with their own tap roots, with their own crowns. You try to cut those out. Now you create even more and more and more as it spreads farther and farther. So it'll spread over time if you cut out pieces of the roots and leave them around. But if you just actually try to manually go in there and remove it, and the, the, the harder you get, you take a, um, a, uh, uh, a cultivator or whatever, and you actually try to till the ground up with a tiller, not a cultivator. If you take like a, a tiller that actually churns up the soil, you'll do an even worse job. So that the, the more hardcore really you go in on trying to remove this thing, the more it spreads and the more robust that that whole plant network actually becomes over time. So draconian regulatory rules will create stronger and stronger incentives to disintermediate those kind of basically elements of interaction in the Bitcoin network that have become the weak links in the chain until either the attacker relents and accepts the inevitable or there's really nothing left for, for them to attack. Uh, next story, we're going to be talking, you guys probably heard about this as well, but if you didn't, so the one of the larger crypto uh, exchanges in Korea, Upbit, was attacked, uh, hacked, right? And they lost $49 million in Ethereum at the current value as of Wednesday when it was attacked. Uh, about 30 minutes after the Ether was actually sent out from the, um, from the exchange, Upbit closed down, withdrawals. And they cited server maintenance and everything like that. And then they later announced that actually it wasn't really server maintenance. I guess technically you can make that case. But they announced the hack to the world and its users. And what's been noted is actually over $100 million has actually been sent out of Upbit, Upbit since the attack. But the exchange has claimed this is due to them moving various you know, cryptocurrencies out of hot wallets and into cold ones while they investigate how this happened, which makes sense. You don't want a bunch of stuff sitting in hot wallets that can be sent out if this attacker is is more pervasive and has more access to the system than they realize. Um, they've told users as well that their ability to, uh, to will be uh, for withdrawals would be suspended for about two weeks, but that they're also going to cover the losses with their own funds. Basically, you're not going to see any kind of haircut in that if you had um, like BTCE did this when they got uh, about 50% of their funds were um, taken by the U.S. Justice Department when they uh, uh, gained control of their servers and, and the website. And they basically just issued people. They got everybody just took a 50% haircut. They issued kind of nominal token so if you had a whole bitcoin on there you only had half a bitcoin left and you got a half a bitcoin in a in roughly a token representation of what was lost but they're actually going to just everybody's balance is supposedly going to stay the same um you know but if they do cover we don't like they've said they're going to but are they actually going to probably but even if they do cover the losses uh which is good on them for doing so um, and should be done since it was their fault. People need to remember that none of the stuff that they have on these exchanges is actually covered by any sort of insurance, at least on Upbit or the majority of uh, exchanges. Um, larger institutions like Bact, and I believe that Coinbase has for some of their um, users is insuring some of their some of their uh, holdings on there. Uh, but you know, they're. A lot of companies are trying to like fit this niche, but it's really hard to do so because as you've seen, the ability, uh, you know, this is like the ninth hack this year of various exchanges. And it's really hard to 
insure this stuff, um, not hard to insure, it makes it very difficult for anybody to want to insure just because of the nature of Bitcoin, how easy it is to, you know, if you hack an exchange to get this stuff out of there. In the future, this will become more commonplace. Uh, but for now, please, please, please be careful with your wealth. Don't leave stuff on exchanges. If you aren't an active trader, get your Bitcoin and whatever else you got off now. You know, use a low mining fee, get it out of the heart, you know, get it out of there onto at least a hardware wallet or something that you control. If you do actually actively trade markets, make sure you pull out whatever you don't actively trade because, you know, no real professional trader is all in on any given period or any successful trader in a long enough time period goes all in all the time. Um, and for the small price of mining fees to get stuff in and out of there, it's a lot cheaper than losing everything that you have. So just please be, be careful. Uh, the last story is about Coinbase's automated KYC, which is Know Your Customer, an AML anti-money laundering tool that will basically allow them to, they're looking to, I should say, they patented this tool, they haven't implemented it yet, but allow them to basically, uh, through some sort of algorithm, review accounts based on a variety of factors, including your personal data, your usage, which is, you know, things like where your deposits have come from, where your withdrawals go, and maybe who you're associated with through other KYC and AML um, companies out there that do map your social profiles and things like that and allow them to automatically suspend and flag accounts um, and then forward those flags if it meets you know certain criteria onto law enforcement authorities if you're suspected of doing anything illegal or associating with illegal activity or anybody that's known to kind of be involved in nefarious activities. Uh, this is not, like I said, been implemented in Coinbase yet, but they've been always pretty ruthless in shutting down accounts without explanation. I had this exact thing happen to me. I had a Coinbase account since 2013 and without any notice in 2017, oh, probably been around September-ish, uh, they shut down my account no notice beforehand or anything like that. And I was told to remove my Bitcoin, you know, just like they basically, when you try to log in, said it's been shut down, you know, and it takes you to a page that said, you know, here's, you know, what assets that you still have Whether you know, if you had like Bitcoin, Ethereum and Litecoin or whatever, it, you know, it's basically saying input a withdrawal address and then you do all that stuff and you take it out. I had multiple email requests and they're a little bit better now, I guess, than they were in 2017, but they were absolutely terrible. So multiple email requests went unanswered or at the very best towards the end, I got a basically a, another stock email reply that just reiterated the same thing that they'd sent me in the original email, just saying we, we uh, you know, hold the right to shut down accounts at any notice, blah, 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 never telling me what I did wrong. Um, the only thing uh, that I think matches uh, or makes sense of why they did it is that on one occasion, I'd sent Bitcoin to the now defunct BTCE exchange. Uh, this was an old school exchange, been around for a very long time, which is kind of why I went on to it. I was like, well, if they have a runoff with people's money by now, why not? They had pretty low fees for trading. And the troll box, if you guys have not been on some of these exchanges, troll box, which is just like a chat board, was hilarious. And I just, you know anyways, whatever. I just had a small amount on there and it was actually later seized. I mentioned this actually in the last story by the U S justice department, since they believed that there was somebody that was 
big part of that exchange, or at least the people who ran it know, knew about it, and was laundering um, Mount Gox, stolen Mount Gox Bitcoin through it, and like a lot of it or most of it. Um, likely Coinbase flagged known BTC address, well, deposit addresses as being suspicious and criteria for spending accounts. It would have been nice if they would have said something because I would have gone, because at that time, nobody knew that there was anything goofy going around with them. Um, but whatever. So I believe that they have had policies like this for a long time, but are now looking to automate the process. This frees up time and money versus kind of doing this manually. You know, and I do sympathize with Coinbase and others like them. I remember Shapeshift got a lot of shade for implementing, I think it was in 2018, implementing KYC. You know, I also sympathize with kind of the Bitcoiner, the hardcore Bitcoiner position as well. But, you know, when, you know, of this idea of like, no, just it's, it, it, you know, it, the idea of making this the norm should not be what any principal company does. But when you're a CEO of a company, you have a duty to your employees, right? And, and if you have the choice of either shuttering the company, putting all these people out of work, um, or abide by the law, or say no, and then you just go to jail and you haven't proven anything, uh, and do what like Erwin shifted, which was say I don't think income taxes are right, and then just die in jail. I I don't know how much promotion of liberty and freedom you're really doing when you aren't there to raise your kids and and kind of do any other impactful work. Um, other people disagree with that, but that's kind of my feeling. So I realize why they will do things like this. Um, but like I mentioned in the very first article as well with the U.S. Treasury, every bit of friction introduced by these regulations is providing more incentive for creation of the, the replacements of these intermediaries, right? So by participating and all that, all they're doing is creating more of an incentive for someone to replace them with something much better. But anyways, that's it for this week's weekly wrap-up. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for watching. Please, if you're on YouTube, you can go and subscribe and what will be the lower right-hand corner. If you're watching on a tablet or desktop, there'll be a little red icon that says subscribe. If you're on mobile, uh, just right below basically in the uh, definitions or de definitions, descriptions, it'll say subscribe. Click that. Also, click the little bell. You get notifications every time that I post a new video, which I'm doing a lot of. Um, I post my interviews, which are currently audio only. I'm working on doing video versions of them. My weekly wrap up is both video and audio, um, depending on whatever you want. And I'm also uh, been posting up some how to do kind of DIY podcast stuff, recording boxes, things like that. Um, creating your own studio uh, that that's completely case and, and, you know, foam and all that other good stuff. So just kind of um, documenting what I've been doing on increasing uh, how this, uh, the studio's quality and everything like that. Um, and if you're on podcasts uh, listening, please go to iTunes, leave a five star and a written review. It helps out immensely. It really, really does. I really beg you to do that. Shouldn't say beg, but I'd really appreciate it. And also go to supportmypodcast.com. You can find other ways to support the podcast, but if you click on listener supported discounts, you can find a variety of discounts from Trezor and Keep Key Wallets to Bitcoin art to Bitcoin tax software to health food products, um, you know, things like Onnit which make a really, really cool supplements, things that I use, uh, MCT oils and uh, Alpha Brain, which I think is a really great mental clarifier. Um, we're adding new ones constantly, so go over there and do that and give a big thanks to my sponsor, eToro, who makes all this possible. Go to digynocrypto.com slash eToro to sign up. Through that link, 
they'll let you that lets them know that you came through me but you also get 50 bucks so you know everybody's kind of uh, once again winning in this scenario so lastly though i'd like to thank you guys if you're watching on youtube for watching and for subscribing if you're listening thank you for listening you guys really do actually make all this possible because if i had nobody listening i would quit you know there's no really point in kind of screaming into the ether if no one wants to listen so thank you for taking time out of your day to actually listen please reach out through all my various social media links whatever is more conducive and more preferable for you email me directly if you have ideas for episodes if you have criticisms i really appreciate criticisms and uh, i really appreciate just talking to you guys um so if you just want to chat feel free and i always get back to everybody that contacts me so have a great night or day or morning whatever it may be and thanks for listening mm -hmm.